0: Welcome to Word Matters, presented by the Christian Standard Bible. Word Matters is a podcast dedicated to helping Christians understand some of the most confusing and controversial passages of the Bible. Now join the conversation with your hosts, Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith.
1: Should Christians be crying all the time? That is the question that we're going to answer on this uh, episode of Word Matters, I'm Brandon Smith, alongside my co-host Trevin Wax, as always. And uh, this is the season three premiere, Trevin. We are back in the lab, as we like to say, along with the kids.
0: Yes, and we are in the Beatitudes.
1: Yeah, to which start is us off, Trevin's favorite place to be. So. One of
0: the one of the best places yeah. in the Bible, seriously. So,
1: yeah. So, why are Christians crying all the time? Should we be crying? Is it okay for us to cry? Why are you always crying? I think what Christians? you mean is,
0: what did Jesus mean when he said, "Blessed are those who mourn"? That too. That I right? would say it that way. Okay. Sure. Uh, so today we're looking at a passage of scripture that is familiar. If you know the Beatitudes, you've heard this, but it's also contested. Um, it is, of course, one of the blessings that Jesus mentions at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the Beatitudes, just a quick overview of what the Beatitudes are doing, out of their function. These are characteristics of the people Jesus describes as flourishing, people who are living the good life, happy, whole, loving God, loving others, This is, um, the the, the first beatitude, of course, is blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Um, The second beatitude is what some have said is the emotional counterpart to the first. Mm. I'm going to read Matthew 5, 4 in the CSB where Jesus makes this paradoxical statement, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And I say paradoxical because blessed there could also be translated happy, or flourishing and so the the juxtaposition of those two things seems to be something of a paradox
1: yeah and some people you know some people think that you know we should all be stoics and like the way to be godly is not to have too much fun not to get too excited but to be sort of Um, Super serious, morose, morose, is that the word? Yes. That's That's what what you think. I'm trying to say Uh, solemn, sad all the time, you know, as if like having a long face is somehow this uh, super devotion to the Lord uh, or whatever. So some would say that the Christian life is one that should be of sadness and tears and just all this longing and all this aching, right?
0: So because people would take the passage literally, I think we have to ask what does Jesus mean here? What are we crying about? I mean, does he mean we're supposed to have mournful, teary attitudes and lifestyles? Uh, does he mean we shouldn't be joyful? And then, and the for the reason that you have to ask this question is because you read the rest of the New Testament, you run into like the Apostle Paul saying, "Rejoice in the Lord always." Again, I say, rejoice, uh, uh, having a cheerful heart when you're giving. So obviously, we we see that blessed are those who mourn cannot mean something that does away with these commands to rejoice. Right. So what does Jesus have in mind? What kind of crying? What kind
1: of tears? Yeah, so let's look at, at some of the views and see if we can maybe nail this down a little bit. So uh, the first interpretation is not one you're going to find in a lot of commentaries or among a lot of scholars, uh, but it is something that's really prevalent in society. I mean, we talked before this episode how many times we've heard More this so view and think. Yeah. all over the place when tragedies happen or whenever you're at a funeral. And it's basically the idea that um, you know if somebody's mourning or they're, they're not comfortable or they're hurting, oh, Blessed are you who's more who mourn. You know, Jesus says that um, if you're sad or crying, you know, God's going to uh, promise you comfort or some sort of future comfort. If you're if you're stressed out, if you're struggling, if you're uh, in some sort of um, temporary you know discomfort or affliction, hey, you know, God's going to bless you for mourning. He's
0: going to comfort you. Yeah,
1: and yeah. so that's sort of kind of prevalent in society. You don't see it a lot in commentaries, uh, like I said, but definitely you've probably heard it at a funeral or during some sort of a
0: and a, a lot of times a, after tragedies, you see it on Twitter. Yep. It's just kind of you know general. Mourning general comfort.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
0: Okay, so that's the first interpretation. Um, like I said, not one you're going to find in many commentary. I've never found it there, but it just went out in society. Second interpretation is very common, goes way back throughout church history. I mean, a lot of the church fathers took this view. Um, this may, i I say this is probably the dominant interpretation, and the the it's to say that Jesus is saying, blessed are those who mourn over their sins. So the reason they say this is, They're looking at, if you look at the previous beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, these are people that see that they're spiritually bankrupt, that they have nothing to offer, nothing to bring. Uh, They see their sinfulness. They feel guilty. They feel ashamed over what they've done. And it's that poverty of spirit that then leads to tears of repentance. Mm. They weep over their sins. Do you have examples of this in scripture? It's not exactly weeping, but you do have examples of someone comes into contact with the holiness of God, like Isaiah in the temple, and he falls on his face, and he confesses that his lips are unclean. Uh, Or Peter in the boat with Jesus, and Jesus stuns him with that massive catch of fish. Peter falls to his knees and says, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. So that kind of reaction to the holiness of God and a true assessment of your spiritual state then leads to repentance, in, in uh, tears of repentance, which you would say, blessed are those who mourn over their sins. So yeah. that's the second, probably the dominant interpretation.
1: Yeah, which means that we're all definitely going to agree with it because we love the church fathers, of course. Just um, wait until you do the third one. Let's not <laughs> so get ahead of ourselves. Third interpretation uh, basically says that, uh, that the mourning in this passage that Jesus is talking about is kingdom-focused, Um, So the idea is that those who are mourning are crying out for God's kingdom to come. So they're passionate about the world we live in. Uh, They see despair and heartache and and sinfulness all over the world. And and yeah, they may even see the sin in their own life or the evil in their own life. Uh, But in all of this, they're longing for God's kingdom to come. They're they're dying for God's reign uh, to come down the earth, to get rid of all this stuff. Um, You know, these mourners are those who are overcome with emotion because of how uh, broken the world is, the cruelty of mankind, the callousness of our hearts. Uh, the condemnation of people who refuse to believe in Christ that they know uh, may not spend eternity with God. So, you know, just as, for example, when Jesus weeps over uh, Jerusalem, right, I long to hold you under my wing like a mother hen, um, this kind of idea that we should too weep over our city, weep over our country, and weep over our world. And so Jesus is basically saying, uh, those who mourn, uh, those are the ones who are blessed because they're waiting for the kingdom to come. They're dying for, for God's kingdom to come.
0: Okay, so three interpretations of the Beatitude, the general society view, uh, general comfort, the mourning over your sins, personal view, and then the crying out for God's kingdom to come, Lord Jesus, make things right view. So out of those three, Brandon, where do you land?
1: Well, you know that I love uh, middle views and putting views together and melding views together. Why but am
0: I not surprised? I'm
1: not going to do that on this one, though. No, I'm almost really? Not, almost not going to. Okay. So so I'm going to go with the third interpretation of the okay. three. Although I think the second has uh, potential to be right, I think it's sort of a subset of this third one. That that part of uh, mourning over your sin is wanting the world and the kingdom. Okay, to come so back, go and the ahead and explain my, so, my view before I explain it. <laughs> so the third, so. now third view, I'd say, you know, if you're thinking about how does this fit into the context of the beatitudes, how does this fit into the Gospel of Matthew, um, it would be a little bit out of place for Jesus to say hey, you should just go around crying all the time, right? Or you should just be upset or um, whatever. When he's talking all about how the, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount are about what the kingdom is like, what the kingdom's is going to look like, um, how you live in light of the kingdom now, even though it's kind of already and not yet, Uh, this kind of idea so it would make more sense in the context in the passage uh, for jesus to be saying um, you're mourning about how you want the kingdom to come you're mourning about how the world is not the way that it should be because of sin and brokenness so yes your personal sin plays into that but it's so much more than that it's looking around at the world and seeing how things are broken and longing for revelation 21 and 22 to happen where uh, heaven and earth come back together and all things are made new and i think that's what jesus is teaching us in the sermon on the mount is here's what it looks like to live in light of what's coming uh, so your ethics and, and your and the way that you view the world should be shaped by the kingdom to come,, uh, the kingdom that exists but isn't already here yet. And it'll also think about the passage in first uh, Thessalonians four thirteen where Paul says, you know, we don't mourn as those without hope. We don't grieve as those without hope. We grieve as those, as people who have hope. And so when Jesus is saying that you're blessed for mourning, I think I think the idea and the context here is to say that you're mourning as somebody who has hope that the kingdom is coming and you're dying for what Jesus is teaching to come back. And so therefore, uh, you're blessed, you're happy, whatever, because you have hope, you know what's coming. So what about you?
0: Uh, okay, so for me... First interpretation falls apart because I don't think Jesus is just talking about general people who mourn. I think he's talking about actual followers of him. They have to be followers of God. I mean, he's if he's describing the good life, he's describing people that are that are faithful. Yeah. So I that that doesn't that doesn't fit it. The mm-hmm. second interpretation, and this is one of those places, you know how much I love to be like not innovative i want to be with the church fathers most yeah. of the time like i'm i the dominant we, we know over that you sins. border on
1: her- heresy most days no so it's, it's not, not a, it's okay not
0: here's the thing jesus could have narrowed this beatitude to mourning over sins if he'd wanted to mm-hmm. um i do so here's like you what you said you basically took the words out of my mouth saying that subset i see the second as applicable and when I preach and we'll get to it. I would I would mention it. I think mourning over your sins is a part of what Jesus is talking right. about. There is a personal aspect to this. You see uh, God in His Majesty and Holiness. You see th- how far you have fallen. You long to be made new in your own heart and life. Um, so I do think an individual's repentance is part of this. I just don't think that that's. I, I think it's included as a subset of the bigger call to the kingdom so i'm definitely with number three okay
1: so go along with me go ahead and talk about why we're Get Into why we're going to disagree with the church fathers on this, even yeah, though we both hate to do it,
0: even on my favorite church fathers. Okay, I the reason is because I'm gonna I'll, I'll one up you here. I will go beyond the church fathers oh. to make the I will go past be oh, back do, behind
1: them. It's like a Bible juke, yeah. You're i know. not like gonna Bible I'm juke the you. church fathers, no, I'll so go
0: come. even beyond the gospels. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's here's why. Here, I'm gonna make my case for if there's any listeners who are like, oh man, this is not how I preach this passage, let me give you my ra- rationale Isaiah 61. This is the passage Jesus quoted from. Isaiah Duke, nice, I
1: like it. uh,
0: The spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, right? To proclaim liberty to the captives, freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance. Then what does he say? To comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning and splendid clothes instead of despair. So Jesus quotes Isaiah, quotes this passage, and in the the wider context of the passage I just read, Jesus is saying, I've come to comfort all who mourn in Zion. Well, what does that mean? Well, the picture in Isaiah is God's people in exile, Mm -hmm. right? They're crying out for God to keep his promises. These are Jews crying out for God to make things right, to bring comfort, to bring peace to the world. They know what the world is supposed to be like. They also know what a terrible state the world is in, so they weep. This is the crying out for God's kingdom, so Jesus is saying, "Look, you who are crying out for the kingdom of God, and I would also agree that that does include the personal aspect of individual sinfulness that's still remaining in us. But you who are crying out for the kingdom of God, be ready; comfort's coming. That's I, ultimately Isaiah's the reason I take
1: this. Yeah, that's good. And honestly, I, I'll just uh, I'll just say that let's just assume that some church father somewhere agrees with us. That'll make me feel a little I, bit I, better. I think okay.
0: I, I think I've overstated their dis. I do think that they. Kind of meld the two yeah. sometimes. There's no
1: such thing as monolithic church father view on know, a lot of passages. So yeah, you're yes, right. That's so, true. But we're fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. We're good. Um, <laughs> okay. So
0: so how would you preach or teach this?
1: Yeah, I mean, yourself? I think you know, I'm I'm always going to err on the side of what's the big picture of the context of the passage. If I were to preach, I've preached on the Beatitudes before. It's been several years now since I've done it, and one of the things I always wanted to preach on every blessed is blessed is blessed is. I always wanted to say. Remember that this is about living in light of the kingdom. That what Jesus is teaching here is about living in light of the kingdom. And so this one is the, like I said, you know, kind of why I lean toward a third interpretation. We don't mourn as those who mourn without hope. We don't grieve as those who grieve without hope. We we know that there's something coming. Uh, if you preach a funeral, you shouldn't be saying, oh, you know, it's it's all right to cry. I mean, in some ways, yes, like the, the, the hurt is real and it's okay to feel that hurt. But don't don't act like you don't have any hope. Don't act like there's nothing to look forward to after this. And uh, so I'm always going to focus on that. And I think the sermon on the out, I mean, if you go through it, you get to where he talks about, you know, the, the uh, God providing for uh, the birds and the lilies of the field. How much more will he provide for you? All these things of, of yes, this world looks broken. Yes, that there's things that aren't right here, but ultimately God is going to take care of you and God is giving you a hope that's far beyond this. And Jesus is saying, I have come to give that to you. I am God's promises in the flesh. So I'm going to lean that way.
0: Okay. So I, I like how you basically, you've laid out, you're going to explain the passage and then lead, lead off with comfort. For me, I'll, I'll take that and say, if I'm going to how how do you apply a passage like this? A- apply this this kind of beatitude. And for me, I'm I'm going to I'm going to lead off first with um what it means to mourn the effects of sin and suffering in our world. Yeah. Um and and to me that that I'm gonna when I'm preaching this, I'm gonna talk about not shrugging off suffering that is happening in our world. You know, you're not just scrolling through your newsfeed on your phone to the next major tragedy. You actually feel yeah. something good. of the weight of the world's suffering. You, your heart breaks when you hear. Um, I love the quote from John Stott who says, the truth is that there are such things as Christian tears and too few of us ever weep them. You know, that sense of I feel something of the weight of, of the world's suffering and evil and sadness is um, part of it, that will lead you to cry out for God's kingdom to come, right? So cosmic, I start there. Then I'm also going to mention weeping over our sins, you know, um, the way we hurt people, the way when you look at your own heart and you see the fact that you are far from uh, uh, being perfected, being sanctified, you know, uh, when you fall to temptation. So I do think individual repentance. I, f- I know I sound like I'm contradicting what I said earlier when I say that's not the interpretation I'm going with, but as a subset, I want to make an application there Um, and then another, another thing I think you, you, I I want, I want to lead people to, to sense something of the lostness of other people. Um, Psalm 119, 136 says, my eyes pour out streams of tears because people do not follow your instruction. You know, there's something to be said for having your heart broken for people that don't know Christ, people in your community that are hurting. Um, that's, that's that. And, and of course, and I know you agree with this too. Whenever I'm preaching, I want to point things back to Jesus. So Luther, in German, translated this, blessed are the sorrow bearing. Mm. And I love that because it gets it gets to, I it makes me immediately think of Isaiah 52, 53. Uh, he has carried yeah. uh, our griefs. He has borne our sorrows. So you have Jesus, the one who's weeping at the tomb of Lazarus, the one who's weeping over Jerusalem. Um, he is the man of sorrows who does mourn. Uh, and he's also the one who who brings the the kingdom. So to make that, to kind of turn the focus to Jesus, I, you know, the son of God shed tears so that one day all the tears of the sons of men can be wiped away. Yeah. Like you want that, that Christ focus, it's going to lead you to revelation where the promise of our tears being wiped away is there. And, and that's ultimately where I want to get people they feel that comfort and they look to Christ and that's where they, they receive it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too. That reminds me of um, when he's praying in the garden and he says, you know, take this cup for me, yes. but not my will, but your I mean, Jesus, uh, you know, the Hebrew says that he was tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. And you think about as a human, as a man, he took on full humanity to where even Jesus needed to remember this, that blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who who have hope in something beyond suffering and beyond uh, the way the world works. So even Jesus kind of gave that to us and showed us that an example throughout his life.
0: Yeah. And I, again, I mean, you want, the Beatitudes are not a to-do list. And so you can't, if you look at the Beatitudes, like New Year's resolutions, like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Then you're really missing the point here. This is Jesus's description of, of the people of God, the people who are truly flourishing according to God's way of thinking, not the world's way of thinking. And so if you give application, you want that application to be grounded in who Christ is and yeah. what he has done. And you want to cultivate this kind of life being grounded in in Jesus who is the gift to us. Yeah, so. it's not
1: about white knuckling and, and trying no. your hardest not to no. be upset. It's about looking at Christ who's already been there for us. That's right. So. Well, Trevin, thanks as always for hopping on. Thank you all for listening. Stay with us through season three. We will see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening. Word Matters has been presented by the Christian Standard Bible translation that is faithful to the original languages but clear for today's audience. Find out more at csbible.com